out here in the perimeter, there are no stars. Out here, we is stoned, immaculate. Steady on, Jim. You don't want to get too carried away. Hello, welcome. This is David Eastall. This is the C86 Show. As always, bringing you the finest in indie pop and beyond and sometimes before. This week, the special guest is going to be Rachel Lowell from The Dolly Mixture. So I've got that interview that um, we did a few, well, quite a while back now, but um, I thought let's get it out there because it's always good stuff. Um, But before the interview, I think we should play a bit of music. This is actually from a John Peel session that was recorded back on the 7th of August, 1979. And I'm going to play two tracks, in fact. Dolly Mixture theme song followed by Dream Come True. And you will agree it was worth the wait. Indeed, that's the Dolly mixture with a um, two tracks from a John Peel session recorded August 1979. The first one, Dolly mixture theme song, followed by Dream Come True. And they did six tracks on that particular session with John Peel. Anyway, hello, 
Welcome. This is David Eastall. This is the C86 Show. This week's special guest is going to be Rachel from the Doddy Mixture. So the interview is going to come. I know the excitement. I was going to sort of work out whether I should do the admin first or just get on with the interview. Okay, I'll get on with the interview. I'd been babbling for several minutes talking about life, love, poetry, and then began, well, slightly subtly began by asking a little bit about those early years of the Doddy Mixture, um, because they were pre-indie. In fact, they were more post-punk, I guess, if you want to try and label it. It's such a tricky world. Anyway, and this was Rachel's reply. Rachel, take it away. Yes, we got together in, in um, 78, uh, in February, so we, yes, quite early on, really. Yeah. Um, and, and, how we did, were, and how yeah. did that sort of come together? Because you were all, was it this based in dear old in, Cambridge? In Cambridge, that's right, yes. Um, we, I, I was at school, um, at a different school from Debsey and Hester, but we were all at school when we met. Um, um, and Debsey lived in the same road as me. And she was, they liked my brother's band. My brother was in a punk, punk band in Cambridge called The Users. Right. And so that's kind of how we got to know each other. And then, um, yeah, someone was putting on a party and Debsey and Hester had been in a band. And they said, uh, you've got to play our party. And they said, well, our band's not together anymore. I think they'd played once and then split up. So, yes. um they said, well, you've got to get another band together. <laughs> so that's how it happened, really. <laughs> yeah. And at the time, because cause I sort of coming from, I don't know, I was quite young during the 70s, I suppose. So I slightly missed punk, but I was quite influenced my, with my brother's kind of record collection. And he was much right. more into sort of the, the prog rock and slightly, slightly heavy metal stuff of the Deep Purple and Black Sabbath. But it was much right. more prog rock than punk rock. And I was probably more into sort of, the top of the pops kind of glam scene and being became obsessed with David Bowie at that time. So what was right, your sort yeah. of musical kind of journey? Well, uh, my because my brother was really into punk, I kind of got into, you know, the Ramones and um, also, well, he, he liked the Flaming Groovies and, and people like that. So a bit of the, the New York scene. So I, I, I heard a lot of that stuff. Um, and being three years younger, I was quite impressed by, yes. <laughs> by what he was listening to. Um, and so, yeah, I got into all the, then all the new wave stuff, the yeah. Blondie and Buzzcocks as well. And yeah. Because it was quite, um, well, it was, I suppose it was quite interesting because you had that kind of, a kind of a weird period because obviously when punk started, there were some quite amazing things. And then it, like most scenes, it becomes a bit, Kind of, I don't know, messy and a bit unpleasant. Yeah. And, um, but you've yeah. managed to sort of somehow sort of glide through that. Well, I think we had, yeah, Debsy kind of introduced us to all sorts of different things. Like um, she was really into Led Zeppelin <laughs> and lots of 60s stuff as well. I, I had I missed out a lot because my parents were classical musicians, so I didn't really hear much until punk. <laughs> right. And <laughs> um, so, yeah, I got more of a... Yeah, broad. We listened to a lot of different things then, um, and so I, I don't know. We just we uh, we we did a lot of covers to begin with. We just played whatever ever we liked. We weren't really set in one genre. 
Yes, you know, Be- because yeah. it's kind of interesting because I just um, I did an interview with a member of the Marine Girls, and I mean, again, they weren't they had never really played much music before, so obviously musically there wasn't there wasn't a lot to sort of go on because obviously they hadn't sort of spent you know years learning other no well other we things. <laughs> And the same with we the ra- just, yeah. And the same Sorry. with the raincoats as well. So it, yeah. in a way, it's kind of interesting, sort of being able to sort of have the confidence to sort of pick up a guitar and continue to do it, and then sort of obviously write, you know, obviously covering people's music is probably a a, a good start before sort of delving yeah. into that world of poetry. Yeah, no, it was. I mean, we hadn't. I could play a few chords on the guitar, um, and but Debsy and Hester came to drums and bass, kind of. <laughs> newly my brother taught Hester a bit of drums and but we just we were just so um I don't know just so into it right from the beginning that we rehearsed and rehearsed loads yes and uh gave up school <laughs> I mean Debsy did anyway and bought instruments and and we were just so um what's the word um just just you were on a mission, uh, really, weren't you? We were on a mission. <laughs> a mission? Yeah, we were absorbed by the whole thing. Yes, yeah. which was quite impressive, because I always remember him, yeah. Johnny Marr, once saying that he decided to just give up school because he was so confident. And um, I'm thinking, you know, I mean, he was very good, but oh, you know, he will appreciate me saying that. But he was like, you know, it was like amazingly confident to say at 16, no, I'm not going to do exams, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm going to be a musician. You think, wow, Johnny, that is. And I think he even persuaded his girlfriend as well to say, look, this is a better world. So I'm, I'm impressed that you had that kind of confidence that this was this was something that you were definitely going to do. I know. And I'm very, um, very supportive and tolerant parents as well <laughs> that let me do that <laughs> yes absolutely because I think yeah. there was a person I interviewed called Rachel I think her Rachel came from America and she sort of came from a very religious background and her parents right. they had to go to bible class and have a prayer and decide whether they were going to let her play music which was <laughs> obviously a bit more extreme but again you know it was like god you didn't really have to fight to be a sort of punk rock you know yeah. Rock in a band. So then, obviously, you know, this was kind of. Were you still based in Cambridge at this stage? Yeah, yeah. Well, I I was fifteen when we got together, and um, so yeah, at sixteen, that's when I I left school, um, and um, so yeah, my brother's band. We played with them quite a lot, um, and they got on uh, a couple of gigs on the John Peel Road show. So that's. Uh, where John Peel heard us and asked us to do a session, which is a bit, well, sounds a bit bad now. My brother didn't get a session. Yes, I know. Because <laughs> with a lot of these bands I've interviewed and done, I mean, there is this kind of the great five-year period where, you know, they make they get together for some random reason. And, and back in, in the day, you know, there was often, and not much happening so there was like there wasn't like oh we've got all these options it's a bit like actually we've got very few options and there was the sort of I don't know was it the youth enterprise scheme that a few people went on and said oh I'm gonna right. be I'm gonna put down I'm a musician or poet or an angsty artist of some description and play yeah. music for, for a year but you know basically I'm gonna be on the dole and uh, yeah. have the odd gig and at least I'll have a better self-esteem about myself so and then you know sort of almost surprisingly went oh I've made a you know we've made a good sound here so did you manage to get your sound together quite quite early um yeah I think so I mean we 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 were only drums bass and guitar um so I think it was quite sparse I liked heavy guitars so I was (laughs) 
kind of filled the sound with that. But um, and then we sang we sang harmony. So that that yeah, I think uh, covering all those '60s songs and things, we we learnt harmonies and and tried to write songs with lots of harmonies in. Because there was was quite a sort of I don't know Phil Spector s quality to. A lot of the the kind of vibe and the sort of you know that that just general I was going to say vibration but that sounds a bit hippie doesn't it but you know there was definitely a spirit <laughs> of, of a Phil Spector kind of you know those sort of the wall of sound bands. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah, we liked all that stuff. <laughs> yes, and and obviously then you sort of kind of make the sound. Then did you get a single out quite quickly? Um, I'm just trying to think. I think we got we had a single out in 1960. 80 was it 80 yeah so it took a couple of years um and we were signed to chrysalis records but it didn't really work out they just wanted us to do covers and by that time we were writing our own songs and we and so after the first single they they dropped us but it's kind of um yeah and then uh then we didn't have a single out until we 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 did some gigs with the jam and paul weller was putting together his own label and asked asked us to be on that, so that was cool. Well, it was quite interesting because you did sort of manage to, you know, because coming from, you know, this is the Norwich and Norfolk area, I mean, we, we were sort of quite sparse in the musical world, really. There wasn't a lot, but it's kind of amazing when you were sort of like, because you quickly kind of started bumping into, because did you also have you 2 supporting you at one of your gigs as well? <laughs> Which was like, it's a bit like, oh, yeah, you 2 once supported us. It's like, well, that's kind of... That's kind of amazing because up there, you know, they're up there with, you know, I suppose I think of the Rolling Stones as bands who just stuck with it and yeah. have managed to to not sort of kill each other. So that's quite amazing. Yeah, well, they they had their first gigs in London. Um, I suppose they were doing really well in Ireland and, and so it's their kind of showcase gigs and they just got supports with us um, at the Rock Garden and the Moonlight Club, I think. Um yeah, so yeah, they had quite a following as well. It was a bit yes. <laughs> and a big sound. Yes, it was, yeah, quite an unusual support band. <laughs> and did you also pick up quite a following yourself in those early days as well? Yeah, we did. I mean, we played. We were playing all the time. We had residencies in lots of clubs around London, and yeah, we had we had good following. And then playing with the Undertones, which were our favourite band, <laughs> um, we picked up a lot of followers doing that. Yes. And also it's quite interesting because often people have a, you know, they have a flexi disc or a single on a small label and then they do the major. Whereas did you manage to, you know, obviously signing to a major was quite a, I would imagine, quite a experience because not many people did back in the punk period, did they? No, I, I think we were difficult as well. I don't think... <laughs> um, we wanted, you know, complete control of what we were doing and they just, they thought, uh, we don't really want this. No, no. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it didn't really work. Yes, because obviously that. you did the, you know, you did the single, but then you also did the, the, you know, the famous John Peel show as well, didn't you? A session for John Peel. Yeah, we did that. Yeah, that was amazing. Um, yeah, that yeah, that was in '79. So we've been going just over a year. Yes. <laughs> and. Uh, yeah, going up to May de Vale and recording that was fantastic. I could imagine. Um, and also, I mean, yeah. and, and with all those kind of times and, and moments, it must be quite nice because with a lot of bands, they often get to that point 
where they think, God, if, if, you know, we'll give another month and then we're just going to forget it. But you seem to sort of be able to sort of, sort of kind of step in stone, you know, from one thing to another without too much of a sort of, um, oh, is this really worth it? No one's interested. Really. Yeah. You know, so that must have been quite a nice feeling. And yeah, I mean, that was I, good. Yeah. So when you look back at that, you know, how did, you know, how did you, or how were the band and the dynamics? Well, yes, I mean, it, at the time, it feel, it's, it's quite an intense experience, especially kind of growing up in the band. And um, so the, the down times when nothing was happening seemed endless. Um, although if you look back, you know, quite a lot of things happened. Um, but yeah, I think we we struggled and we wanted to, we kind of wanted to be in London, but but couldn't quite make that transition for a long time so it was there was a lot of frustrating times as well yes well quiet and obviously you know you got you brought an album out didn't you as well in 84 yeah and yeah. so was this a kind of a accumulation of all the material you had been doing that's right yeah we'd done so many demos <laughs> um yeah and and never had an album out so we just we signed to a, a distri- distribution company I yes. put all the demos together on a double album, um, our way of putting everything out. And, and actually, that's the thing that's been re-released on yes. CD and, and we did a box set as well. So, yeah, it was really great that we got that together. Yes. Yeah. And obviously, you know, there is the, you know, like I mentioned a bit earlier, the, the kind of great five-year arc of the, the sort of, the, you know, the singles, the tour, the John Peel show. And then there was the tricky second album. And, 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 and as I've probably said loads on these, these interviews, is if anybody ever does America, that completely seems to destroy them in, yeah. in every possible way. So how, how did your sort of story continue from there? Well, um, yes, yeah, so we had we had some very successful years, I suppose, 81 to 83, loads of gigs, loads of tours with different bands. And um, and then things started to... We, we did Top of the Pops with Captain and all that. And after all that, nothing much happened. So it was... It was it was like um, everything was slowing down, and uh, that was quite frustrating. We started supporting bands that were a lot younger than us, who were going, what are you doing supporting us? <laughs> yes. um, like Strawberry Switchblade. And, and so, yeah, it, was, um, it felt like we weren't going anywhere anymore. Yes, because I, I yeah. sort of put down sort of the indie scene, and um, mm. I'm open for sort of being told that's kind of um, wrong, so that's fine. But, you know, it kind of started, for me, you know, in my little brain, it kind of started sort of that during the first Smiths sort of release and single and album, which was mm. kind of 83. So obviously, you know, even though you had, you, you would have fitted in so perfectly with that yeah. whole indie C86 world, you know, you, you were sort of a bit like the Marine Girls, bizarrely. You'd sort of been and gone. And before that whole other sort of world started to, Iraq, yeah. you know with the Smiths the first album and then you had again there was like the, a scene like most scenes have a few really amazing years where you get all these bands from you know Fuzzbox to mm-hmm. um, the Wolfhounds and you know the Weather Prophets all this and, and so obviously you were like oh god we were a bit too early at the party we should have come later yeah, <laughs> yeah I think we're definitely yeah wrong time for us yes <laughs> And did, so did you have a sort of a moment where, because obviously you were still in your early 20s, where you sat down and said, actually, this is it, we can't go on? 
Well, no. What happened was I got pregnant <laughs> and decided that's what I'm going to do now. Have have yeah, have the baby. And I we didn't really. I didn't. I thought I could carry on and have the baby, but it, it yeah, it didn't work yes. like that. And and um, there came a time when I just said, I think you should do something else. <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know, going to be a bit taken up. Yeah, well, quite. And um, so they, they, they went on to form another band. Debsey and Hester had coming up roses, um, and I, yes, I, I left music for a little while. Yeah. And did it feel? I mean, did you have a sort of a moment where you, you, you could sort of all sort of agree to sort of call it a day? Yeah, well, it, it, it we kind of drifted out. We were still sit, singing back and vocals with the captain. So when he did, yeah, we still went on tour with him um, in '95, I think. Um, so yeah, we kind of it slowly drifted. Um, there wasn't a cut-off point. Yes. As such, so yeah. Yes, because it was because you and Captain were a, you know God, this sounds like a gossip column now, doesn't it? But you and Captain <laughs> were a couple, weren't you? We were, we had three children together. <laughs> oh, wow, there you go. And we were oh, together for about 14 years, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, I had, sorry, I didn't have any idea of I just kind of vaguely knew because, you know, um, with my great research, I thought, oh, I, I sort of saw that you'd done sort of guest in vocals and had sort of met them sort of. I think they sort of came backstage, didn't they, at one of your gigs? That's right, it was the gig with uh, you two supporting us, actually. Uh, Captain came back and said, I want to produce you. He's very drunk, him and Charlie Harper. Right. <laughs> from UK and um, yeah, he was going, oh, I want to support you, uh, produce you girls. And then, yeah. And that was it. It, it happened. Yes. And obviously, <laughs> yeah. they were, they'd sort of, obviously, because I mean, John Peel was, I think that was almost, they were the beginning of punk almost before the Ramones, weren't they, the damned? I think that was one of the, yeah. those moments that John Peel had, which kind of changed his life and his also his musical playlist as well. So obviously, right. it must have been kind of strange seeing, seeing the sort of world of um, the damned from sort of so yeah. close up. Yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, I, I would see them. Um, in '77, <laughs> and um, yeah, so it was, it was funny me- the, the meeting of those two worlds. Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and when you, because then you know about uh, you know about was it about 2010? You sort of got everything together, your compilation of all the stuff. Yeah. So did that yeah. feel quite enjoyable? Because I've noticed with a lot of bands. I mean, some of them, you know, have got horrendous problems with publishing and ownership of their music, which always seems completely obscene, really. But they're still, mm. some of them have managed to, via people like Cherry Red Records, have kind of got a nice compilation and with sleeve notes. And some are just going, well, we don't own the music because such and such a label has it and we don't talk to them and they hate us. So, And it's almost <laughs> like, oh, that's such a shame. So did you manage to <laughs> navigate that kind of world? Yeah, well, I suppose the good thing was that we hadn't been signed um by you know to put an album out we'd we'd put it out ourselves really um and so yes the music belonged to us and um and we managed i don't know they let us put um oh i don't know hang on i I don't know my facts (laughs) but I, i don't think we had a problem with anything that was on the album Yes, yeah, so that that yeah. was actually something that was quite good. And then you've had a you you had a reunion, didn't you as well? 
Yeah, well, um, yes. So um, Debsy's partner, who put the box set together with us, um, is also a filmmaker, documentary filmmaker. And he and my son actually is a documentary filmmaker as well. But together they they made a a film using old footage because there had been a documentary about us in um, people followed uh, the film crew followed us around for a couple of years. So we had loads of footage, and they put a film together. And with and with that, um, me and Debsy played a couple of times with yes. the film. And did that feel kind of strange seeing seeing the sort of old footage? Because I think, actually, <laughs> bizarrely, I think L L Seven have just done or are just about releasing a film of their oh, world, right. and I think the slits as well, actually. So some of this is something has definitely gone in the water, hasn't it? Yeah, well, it's it's just it's amazing to have so much footage. We're very lucky that 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 happened, um, and. Uh, yeah, and it, yeah, it's very strange looking back. <laughs> yes, I would imagine it's incredibly weird. I mean, how was the d- dynamic with the the three of you after the years passing by? Did you sort of um, sort of manage to sort of rekindle any kind of friendship? Oh, we've we've always been friends. We've never not been friends. So, oh, that's um, such a relief, yeah. isn't it? <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's kind of nice. Well, often it takes only about thirty years before people can yeah. then sort of, I don't know, somehow sort of forget what they disliked each other about, and then they think, oh, let's just move on. But um, so it's nice that you managed to do that. I mean, what would yeah. you sort of say to your eighteen-year-old self, or in your case, probably sixteen-year-old self, starting out in music? Yeah, um, I think I'd tell myself to be a bit patient. And, and things will happen because, <laughs> um, and just to stick at it because it's so so easy just to to get frustrated. Yes. Um, yeah. And what bits were particularly frustrating? Um, well, when things weren't, uh, you know, a lot of, lot of times things weren't happening. You couldn't actually. It was difficult to get a job to support yourself and and then you know um there was no record coming out or anything like that we, and and just to to keep going was was quite tough yeah because actually that's the other thing that i've sort of heard and noticed is that most people i think one of the reasons they they sort of also decide to quit the band is that they just have no money and they're sort of yeah. and and they feel like they're going slightly financially backwards more than mm-hmm. even sort of being able to sort of maintain anything. So did did the sort of the, the world of the, the band and, and the Dolly Mixtures, did that also have that same issue that you thought, well, actually, we just, we just broke all the time? Yeah, we, we, yeah. we didn't have much money ever. Yes. Um, and we, we um, luckily, Debsy's parents lived in London, so we could stay with them. And, um, but yeah, it was always quite a struggle. I could imagine, actually. And I mean, sort of, uh, we, you know, like just kind of lastly, you know, when, you know, with the release of that compilation that you put out, you know, a few years ago, has that sort of rekindled a sort of a new fan base as well as kind of people coming out of the woodwork? Yeah, well, I reckon so. I mean, I, I, I don't know who was buying the album, but we sold them all. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, there's, there seems to be a lot more interest now. Um, and and at the time, we didn't think we fitted in with anything. But but looking back, people kind of can see 
what you know how we inspired other people which was nice well I can definitely see that with uh, you know because I I've always been you know I mean I was a bit too young for punk but I can also see that it quickly became it felt quite a macho thing quite quickly whereas I, I quite enjoyed the indie scene because it didn't seem to have to sort of follow one particular yeah. person or one particular you know, at the time, it was just so sort of all over the place, you know, not just it wasn't also in London, it was just like from Scotland to sort of yeah. South Wales to sort of the northeast and obviously Manchester as well, and down to, to Brighton and Bristol and all that. And, you know, most of it, people weren't trying to sort of get more, I don't know, macho about it, it seemed to be completely the other way. And I suppose that was a, a criticism. But that was something that I quite enjoyed was it didn't have to sort of be kind of a muscular rock thing. And we had to all follow either Joe Strummer or Johnny Johnny Rotten, which yeah. seemed to be such a punk thing to do. <laughs> you know, it's like, and you either had to like one band or the other in some cases as well, which I thought, well, it's a bit yeah. odd, really. So, yeah, I, I could see that that um, your band would have inspired a huge amount of indie bands that came out in, in sort of the 80s, really. Yeah. So, yeah, if I hadn't have had my son... <laughs> I think I would say just stick with it and, and I think our time would have come. <laughs> yes, definitely. And when you sort of listen back to those kind of recordings, do you sort of have kind of fond memories? Oh, definitely, yeah, yeah. Um, it, we, we, you know, grew up with it. It was, it was our teenage, really, and, and early 20s. It's was, it was such a profound part of your life, isn't it? So, well, yeah, definitely. Well, definitely emotionally, because there's so much that's also changing. You always forget when you're 16, that mm. when you're 16, you think, you know, somehow you know it all and you're sort of quite grown up. But then when you see 16-year-olds and photographs of yourself, you think, God, I look so small. Yeah. I can't believe <laughs> I look so small. And bizarrely, yeah. we I once went to one of those school reunions, which... You know, I, I left school when I was 16, so that was like the 20th anniversary. And it was a bit strange because I saw the names of the people who were going to be there. And I kind of thought, oh, yeah, I do remember these names and could vaguely remember the, you know, the, what they looked like. And then when I went to this reunion, so I was like 36 then, um, actually, I couldn't recognise several of the people. And I was really like completely speechless because I could see, you know, they'd had the sticker on them saying who they were. And I was thinking... But you've changed so much. I can't. I can't even recognise you. You know. And I mean, there was a few people who'd gone bald, and there's a few people who put on weight. But there were people, and I sort of realised our faces and our bodies are changing so much. So, to, yeah. to, so to be in a band so young, and I, it was kind of interesting how similar it was to the Marine Girls because they were incredibly young. And I think one of the members was fourteen. Wow. Alice Fox. So, and there was her sister Jane, and then obviously Tracy and Gina. So. I mean, again, they were just so young when they started. And I think they went until they they got to that age where I think they left home and were either going to university or college. And it was like, well, actually, mm. you know, Tracy went one way and the others went the other. And it's like, actually, we just can't keep this band together. And yeah, yeah you know, it's kind of it's, it's kind of it's it sounds a very similar story to the Marine Girls, really. Yeah. Although, yes, we um, we uh, Debsey and Hester were both looking at going on um, to to do drama I think at university and then decided that the band was what we wanted to do so yeah we made that decision yes. to carry on yeah and when I saw, I saw some photographs was it um with Amelia Fletcher who who's at Bizarre at the UEA not one day a week I think and I mean she was in Tallulah Gosh and so there was a book that came out wasn't there Untypical Girl from Sam Neill um. Did you That's see that? right, yes. Did you see that publication? It did. It's slightly 
yeah, the facts were slightly wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but I did see it, yeah. Oh, right. Because yes, Debsy did an interview in it, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay. So I, I've only just kind of, uh, as, as a lazy person does, just look at the pictures and go, God, that's amazing, isn't it? And and then I saw some other photographs on the social media of some sort of book launch and, and you know, Amelia Fletcher was there and it's like, oh, gosh, yes, of course. You know, that was all part of that world with people like, you know, members of Strawberry Switchblade and Toluda Gold yeah. and, and obviously all those bands, which is fantastic. So yes. So was it the interview that was quite was slightly wrong? Uh, no, it was. It got me and Hester's names mixed up. Yeah, Rachel Smith and Hester Ball, who <laughs> is the other way around. Um, ah, right. And also said Debsy was the guitarist and she was the bass player. But that's all. <laughs> yes, I know, but it can be so annoying, can't it, really? You think, God, <laughs> after all, getting so close and you think, yes, I must go and have a look at that book again, actually. But I yeah, quite enjoyed it because nice actually book. there was, I mean, because mostly, you know, when they have great rock pictures, you think, oh, yes, that's the one of, you know, Paul Simeon from The Clash and that's that one of David Bowie and that's the one of, you know, like it's always the usual same old, same old pictures, which are amazing. But it was quite nice yeah. seeing a whole book of book pictures that you think, I hadn't, you know, absolutely never seen these people before. Yeah, no, it was really good, really good to have that. Um, yes. And, yeah. And the interesting girls that, quite often get get left out of history. Well, they do. <laughs> in they, bands. Especially, yeah. yes. And I noticed that there's been a few more documentaries, like BBC Four has often had a few documentaries about women in bands. Where they often mm. call them girls, which is a bit of a strange thing to say but um yeah it's it is quite good and then you sort of realize I suppose when I did that interview with Lou from the Red Guitars and sort of I just I suppose when I I can't remember what I spoke about it was a long time ago but you know it was like oh yes and you know we grew up listening look, looking at sort of Susie Quattro playing bass and so obviously yeah. it wasn't that unusual and there was quite a lot of bands who you know had you know women musicians in it so it shouldn't be that difficult but then you know there was the industry which obviously is incredibly murky as well at times and yes it's it's an unfortunate world I mean it sounds like luckily the 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 band never sort of got ripped off by anybody no 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 we didn't we we uh we were lucky that way yes but um yeah you ever have a manager we we did have a few but it was nothing no one really official um so it was it was mainly friends that were helping out kind of thing and it didn't didn't work out with anyone um yeah so we were we were and we were very sure of what we wanted and didn't give people much leeway (laughs) yes yeah I think that's quite a wise choice actually I think most people have I can't remember who I interviewed recently but someone said I think that was I think her name was Beth somebody but you know she was they were advised don't have a manager because they'll just take a a big percentage of the cut and just make sure you sort your publishing rights out first and then Mm. you should be okay but anyway it's everybody's wise after the event really aren't they that's right yeah yeah but anyway the world world of wisdom we didn't know anything (laughs) no started (laughs) I mean did you did you sort of with your image with the band did that sort of come together quite quickly or was that quite an organic thing and you just thought this is what we wear anyway yeah, well, I think we just uh, I, we we like charity shop shopping. So whatever we could find, we kind of made into our own kind of fashions, <laughs> and then it kind of developed. And and um, Hester used to she had weak ankles, so she used to have to wear boots, and um, and so kind of boots and dresses became our kind of 
thing that we wore. Um, so, yeah. Because also with Cambridge, there is that slight connection with people like Pink Floyd, isn't there? There was um, Sid Barrett came from Cambridge. So was there any influences of that kind of scene and that kind of general culture that was coming through? Because obviously Cambridge is, you know, renowned for its university. Well, yeah, I mean, as far as I was I didn't know anything about anything when we started. Um, but um, I think the first band I went to see was the Soft Boys. So I kind of, <laughs> um, yeah. That was yes. kind of influenced by uh, Pink Floyd and, um, well, yeah, Sid Barrett anyway. Yeah. And, uh, um, yeah, so, so I suppose through through going to see bands like, yeah, Soft Boys, we're introduced. <laughs> yes. Well, I did, because um, that was with Robin Hitchcock, isn't it? Yes. So I guess yeah. there was there was quite a... I don't know, I often thought of it as more of a pastoral sound. That, that, you know, and there was also the Canterbury sound as well, which I think they probably... I should know this, shouldn't I? But anyway, it probably... It, there was a sort of a spiritual connection with the, that sort of scene and bands yeah. like, you know, Robert Wyatt and down at Kevin Ayres and people like that. So, yeah. yes. And I know, you know, I have friends who come from Cambridge and it, and there is quite an interesting sort of, I don't know, culture around there. And, and obviously that influence of Pink Floyd was kind of there for a long time and... Sid Barrett so yes it's interesting yeah yeah I think there was a lot of I mean a lot of people came to Cambridge and and stayed and kind of there was a huge kind of um for want of a better word hippie kind of culture yes in Cambridge um yes because um, there was the strawberry fair wasn't there I think yeah which has got massive now but yeah we when we played it in the early 80s it was quite a small little thing Oh, right, yes. Yeah. I was just talking about that the other day. Is that still going, the Strawberry Fair? Yeah, it's big. It's it's only, I think it's only one day a year, um, at the beginning of June. Yes. But, yeah, they have now, they have three or four stages and, and you know, loads of stalls and stuff. It was just a little row of stalls with a stage when we played. <laughs> yes, and so lots of angsty poets talk about Thatcher. And, yeah. and, and yes, the tra- and the travellers, obviously. That um, I think they used to sort of um, turn up in great sort of convoy, didn't they? And that is the end of the interview with Rachel um, Lowell. Though I do believe she was also bore at one stage, but I get slightly confused about this world sometimes. Anyway, actually, that's not um, that's not completely surprising, especially when you get to my age. But anyway, thanks a huge amount to Rachel for giving me the time for that interview. Um, much appreciated. Really appreciated. Um, yes, and that's all I can say. Um, apart from doing a bit of admin, which we always love. If you want to contact me, you can via Facebook or Twitter, even Instagram. Just go to at C86show and all these... Um, past three years of doing interviews with indie bands and beyond um, are available on podcast land so you can find those on spotify itunes mix bean no mix cloud and Podbean. Podbean's one of my favorites but obviously spotify it's easy just go to c86 show they are all there and much much more but anyway i'll leave you with a couple more tracks by the doddy mixture and this is again taken from the john peel session only 40 years ago this is going to be He's so frisky and possibly an extra one, a Brucey bonus. Anyway, thanks, Rachel, and also have a great week. He's frisky for you.
Personality, it makes folks think I'm a true speciality. She's got the news. 